Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Hey friends, it is Thanksgiving morning here in the United States, but I gleefully sit behind this microphone every single day because we need food every day and how much more spiritually hey hopeful welcome to for the hope's daily audio bible where we sit and listen to jesus <laughs> and uh, hopefully contemplate our life and work in light of god's story Today, I confess, I need to just get in and read, so let's get after it. In our New Testament segment, Luke 15, we hear three parables that all tell the same story. And as we dive in, I'll simply remind you of the point we landed on yesterday. What does it mean to follow Jesus? That we join the mission and seek the lost. Luke chapter 15. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the one lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and, coming home, calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who don't need repentance. Pause. And what he's saying is, who don't think they need repentance, right? That's the point. <laughs> we, all, we all need that. Continuing. Or what woman has ten silver coins? If she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the repentance in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate that I have coming to me. So the father distributed the assets to them. I just got to pause. You know what? I, I just want you to focus on Jesus right now here is the father in the parable it wasn't like he could just like liquidify you know liquidate a few stocks he would have had to sell his land right this is a big deal father give me the share of the estate I have coming to me so the father distributed the assets to them Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. And then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to eat his fill from the pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he summoned one of the servants questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, the servant told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back and safe and sound. And then the older brother became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. He replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son, this, this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, the father told him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Ah, oh, my friends. There is so much implication there. Do we realize that we are the sinners? Right? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. If you're not lost, well then... Right, And the irony of that is that we're all lost and in need of reconciliation. But what, do, what does that mean for you and me? As Jesus followers, we seek and save the lost and you go offer them a cup of cool water to drink and some of them are going to go, yeah, I'm not thirsty. But that's God's business, right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job isn't to convert somebody. My offer you know, my job is to offer them a cup of cool water. Today we're back in the book of uh, Isaiah. And as you heard me mention, you know, this week particularly, we're going back and forth between several books of the Bible around this story of King Hezekiah. And I'm just going to read it and we'll pick up and talk a little more about it tomorrow, probably. Isaiah 36. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, 
King Sennacherib of Assyria attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his loyal spokesman, royal spokesman along with a massive army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem, and the Assyrian stood near the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. And Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the court historian, came out to him. And the royal spokesman said to them, You tell Hezekiah, The great king, the king of Assyria, says, What are you relying on? You think mere words are strategy and strength for war? Who are you now relying on that you have rebelled against me? Look, you're relying on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff that will pierce the hand of anyone who grabs it and leans on it. This is how Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is to all who rely on him. Suppose you say to me, We rely on the Lord our God. Isn't isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, You are to worship at this altar? Now, make a deal with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you're able to supply riders for them. How then can you drive back a single officer among the least of my master's servants? How can you rely on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I attacked this land to destroy it without the Lord's approval? The Lord said to me, attack this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the royal spokesman, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew within earshot of the people who are on the wall. But the royal spokesman replied, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men who are sitting on the wall, who are destined with you to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the royal spokesman stood and called out loudly in Hebrew, Listen to the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot rescue you. Ironically true. (laughs) A little interjection there. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot rescue you. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to rely on the Lord, saying, The Lord will certainly rescue us. This city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and surrender to me. Then every one of you may eat from his own vine and from his own fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware that Hezekiah does not lead you, mislead you by saying, the Lord will rescue us. Has any of the gods of the nations rescued his land from the power of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Where have they rescued Samaria from my power? Who among all the all the gods of these lands ever rescued his land from my power? So will the Lord rescue Jerusalem from my power? But they kept silent. They didn't say anything. For the king's command was, don't answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the court historian, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and reported to him the words of the royal spokesman. Uh, Okay, one more Budinsky here. Remember, he's going, where are the gods of Hamath and Apad and Tzarephavayim? Have they rescued Samaria? Remember, Samaria was both the capital city of and uh, a 
representative that word of the northern kingdom of Israel, right? Remember a couple days ago, we talked about how Assyria conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC. So now they're at the doorstep of Judah. Well, remember in the history lesson, who conquered Judah? Babylon in 586 BC. But we have the history, we have the benefit of hindsight here, right? And we read this story yesterday in the book of Second Kings, so you know the ending. And I hope that doesn't ruin it for you, because because I've read the end of the book and God wins. There you go. Spoiler alert. When the king of Hezekiah, uh, when King Hezekiah heard the report, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the Lord's temple. He sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace. Shebna, the court secretary, and the leading priests who were covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. And they said to him, This is what Hezekiah says. Today is a day of distress, rebuke, and disgrace. It is as if children have come to the point of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. Perhaps the Lord your God, notice, Lord your God, yo, Elijah, your God, Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of the royal spokesman, whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke him for the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the surviving remnant. So the servants of King Hezekiah went to Isaiah and said to them, Tell your ma-, and he said to them, Tell your master, the Lord says this, Don't be afraid because of the words you have heard with which the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me. I'm about to put a spirit in him, and he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I will cause him to fall by the sword. Then the royal spokesman heard that the king of Assyria had pulled out of Lachish. When he had heard that, he left him and found him fighting against Libna. The king had heard concerning King Terhaka of Cush, He has set out to fight against you. So when he heard this, he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Say this to King Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let your God on whom you rely deceive you by promising that Jerusalem won't be handed over to the king of Assyria. Look, you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries. They completely destroyed them. Will you be rescued? Did the gods of the nations that my predecessors destroyed rescue them? Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the Edenites of Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Harpad and the king of the city of Sepharvaim or Hina or Eva? Hezekiah took the letter from the messenger's hands, read it, and then went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord of armies, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear all the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Lord, it is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated all these countries in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but made from wood and stone by human hands. So they have destroyed them. Now, Lord, our God, save us from his power so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are God, you alone. 
Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, Because you prayed to me about King Sennacherib of Assyria, this is the word of the Lord uh, spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and scorns you. Daughter Jerusalem shakes her head behind your back. Who is it that you have mocked and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. You have mocked the Lord through your servants. You have said, with my many chariots, I've gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon, recesses of Lebanon. I cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypress trees. I came to its distant heights, its densest forest. I dug wells and drank water in foreign lands. I dried up all the streams in Egypt with the soles of my feet. Have you not heard? I designed it long ago. I planned it in days gone by. I have now brought it to pass, and you have crushed fortified cities into piles of rubble. Their inhabitants have become powerless, dismayed, and ashamed. They are plants of the field, tender grass, grass on the rooftops, blasted by the east wind. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you're raging against me, and your arrogance have reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you go back the way you came. This will be a sign for you. By the way, this just shifted from the kind of the poetic pronouncement to probably the words back to um, Hezekiah. This will be a sign for you, Hezekiah. Message from God through Isaiah. This year you will eat what grows on its own. And in the second year, what grows from that? But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah, southern kingdom of Judah, will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For a remnant will go out from Jerusalem as survivors from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And therefore, this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city, shoot an arrow here, come before it with a shield or build up a siege ramp against it. He will go back the way he came and he will not enter this city. This is the Lord's declaration. I will defend this city and rescue it for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and left. He returned home and lived in Nineveh. And one day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer struck him down with the sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. Then his son Esarhaddon became king in his place. Friends, we're going to wrap with a four-verse psalm for our closing wisdom segment, but I want to share with you one thing. As I was reading that, I was just struck about how you've probably seen memes go by on Facebook that say, don't pray, go do something. And here was the king of Assyria going, yo, you think words are a strategy? Well, as it turns out, prayer is a strategy. Not that we shouldn't go do something, but you know what I mean. 
Psalm 123, a song of ascents. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant's girl, servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord, show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. I love you, my friends. Prayer is a strategy. Amen. Amen.